Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open it to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to finish Habakkuk today. Originally thought we'd do it in four parts. We're going to do it in three. And um, uh, if you are a user of the Bible app, you can open up uh, that app and find our live event and track along with the scriptures and sermon notes and other important stuff like that. Uh, if you need a Bible that you can open and put in your lap, there's one in the back, back there. Feel free to do so. Uh, if uh, you're not familiar with kind of where Habakkuk is located, um, it, it is dead in the middle of uh, all of those names that are really, really hard to pronounce. Okay, and so I invite you to uh, find it there. You can use your table of contents in the front. That'd be great. Uh, I want um, as we've been walking through this, uh, we've tried to rehearse this just a little bit. Uh, the the idea of Habakkuk is this: How do I talk to God? Uh, when he doesn't do what I want. Some people quit talking to God altogether. Again, I say, I think that's the worst possible path. Uh, It doesn't get what you um, ultimately uh, need or desire, and uh, it puts you uh, in some pretty bad places. It leads you down some pretty tough roads. And so uh, how do I I talk to God when he's not doing what I want? Um, Over the course of this study, a couple of things have unfolded here, and we've tried to put them in these little phrases so that um, they stick in your mind. Number one is that honesty precedes intimacy. This is chapter one, uh, that when we come to God, we can be honest with him. In fact, we need to be honest with him, and it doesn't catch him by surprise. He's not thrown off. He's not upset. He didn't know that we didn't feel that way, and now we probably need to have a counseling moment or any of that. He, He is not that at all. He absolutely knows what's going on in your mind. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's rumbling around in your soul. He knows where you feel like the holes are and where the holes actually are. He knows all that stuff. But when we're honest with God, what that allows us to do is step into an intimate relationship with God. It is because we can be honest with him that then he is honest in return and we're really talking. We're really talking. And it invites intimacy. So honesty precedes intimacy. In Habakkuk's particular case in chapter 1, he's like, look, God, I'm talking and it doesn't seem like you're listening or doing anything about any of this stuff. And I just don't know what to do with that. I don't have a category. I don't know where to put that. Last week was confession uh, breeds faith. Because we are intimate with God, because we're connected to him, because our relationship with God is growing, even though it's hard, even though uh, confession breeds faith, we are able to say to God the things that we know as well as the things that we don't know. God, we know this is true about you. We know this is true about kind of what you want in the world. Here's what we don't know. We don't know how all this is going to work out. And that breeds faith because as we continue to talk to God about the things we know to be true, that causes us to, uh, to say to God, so God, we're trusting then that you will do this. And today, it's hope that feeds our joy. Uh, the world's pretty short on both of those these days. Um, no shortage of rage or lack of trust, but hope and joy. So we as the people of God, uh, again, one more time, like, uh, d- there is an opportunity here for you to step away from your relationship with God and surrender your hope altogether. Folks, we believe we are the people who believe that Jesus got up from the dead. We of all people should be people of hope. So hope feeds joy. That's where we are today. Habakkuk chapter three, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet this is verse one. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth. Anybody? Shigianoth? Is that your? Uh, no, me neither. In fact, nobody actually knows. 
Uh, they, they think it's some sort of musical term because at the end he talks about for the choir master and that kind of thing. Uh, but the truth is, is that every commentator is like, eh, I don't know. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigenoth, whatever that is. Uh, verse 2, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of your years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's start here. Four statements on hope today. Uh, first of all, hope focuses on God's heart. Hope focuses on God's heart. So here, Habakkuk, um, chapter 1, intimacy. Chapter 2, confession. God has outlaid the plan. Hey, the Babylonians are coming. They're going to take out Judah, punish Judah uh, for the sins that you've committed against me. But then the Babylonians will also be punished for their own sin. And Habakkuk responds to that this way. Oh, Lord, I've heard the report of you. And your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. I, like, I see what you're doing on, in Habakkuk's world. International instability, national decline, personal stuff in his own life. This is his world and it's ours. And he's saying, I see that you're at work. I've heard about what you're doing. I'm looking around the scene. And boy, I'm, uh, this is something. In the midst of your years, uh, revive it. In the midst of your years, make it known. Here's the phrase. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. When we talk about hope focusing on God's heart, here's what I want to, I want to stir up your hope and give you a, a reason to be hopeful today because God's heart surges with mercy. It's not that the wrath against sin isn't right. It is. It's not that the justice that will unfold against the wickedness in the world isn't right. It is. But his heart surges with mercy. When he revealed himself to Moses, he said, I, the, the, the part where, uh, I, I mean, I just, just think about this. When, when he revealed himself to Moses, he said, I am slow to anger. He's not slow to be merciful. He's slow to get angry. So his heart is surging. My favorite passage about this in particular um, is, is in Ephesians chapter 2. It's my favorite uh, book in the Bible, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. This is how, this is how he starts. Um, you were dead in your trespasses and sins of once, in which you once formerly walked, following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's at work, and the sons of disobedience, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You were by nature children of wrath. I mean, Paul just outlays it. We're dead in our sins. We follow the wrong guy um, and, and the worldly systems there. We, we've pledged allegiance to the wrong team. I mean, like, and we're, we're kind of liking it. We're indulging. And, and as a result of all of this, we are by nature children of wrath. And in the very next phrase, Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God. But God, God steps into our world. Why? Because he likes us being just by nature, being children of wrath, being opposed. No, because of his great love, with, because he is rich in mercy. That's what he says. So when you focus on God's heart, I want to encourage you. He is rich in mercy. Habakkuk, in your wrath, which is right because of all the wickedness in this world. In your wrath, God. In the midst of the international stability and the Babylonians coming and the nation going to pot and all the stuff that's going on in my life, in your wrath, God, please remember mercy. Focusing on God's heart. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Okay. Hope 
focuses on his heart, but it also, and again, these are things that will stir up our hope when, when it starts to settle a little bit. Hope remembers, hope remembers the stories. Hope remembers the stories of God at work in the world. So I want you to take just a second as best you can. I want you to call up every Old Testament story that you can possibly think of. Creation, Abraham, Jacob, Exodus, all the crazy stuff that happened in Numbers, Daniel the Lion's Den. I mean, the whole thing. You got them? Just upload for just a second. Because here's what happens. Over the next uh, uh, several verses, Habakkuk puts all of those stories into a song. And, and he has all these references to that, okay? So we're going to read a bunch here, several verses down. And you'll just hear these things unfold. He's referencing stories from the Old Testament. Verse 3, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. That's like Genesis 1. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand. There he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, plague. Plague followed at his heels. Plague. Have I heard about plagues before? Plague in Exodus. Um, he stood and measured the earth. He stood and shook the nations. Then eternal mountains were scattered. Everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian uh, did tremble as the people of God made their way out. These are encounters that they had. And then he says this, Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers and your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging, river, writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It's lifted, it lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place, and the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people. For the salvation of your anointed, you crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of the warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. That's a poem right there. I mean, you're just like, Ooh, I don't know what all God's saying there. I don't know everything there. But listen, that is a poem. Here, here's the point I, I just want you to hang on to. Deliverance comes from God's power. Everything in here, God is speaking about, uh, Habakkuk is speaking about God's power. He's put into a song the, the amazing works of God and the power of God as it unfolds um, in, in the stories that, that, have, that, that we've read um, from page one to where we are right now. Deliverance comes by God's power. It, it doesn't come in, because of us. It comes most of the time in spite of us. So here's the pastoral question I just want you to sit with for a second. Do you remember... The stories. Do, do you remember your story when God stepped into your world and brought deliverance? M maybe brought salvation. Maybe brought healing. Maybe brought provision in some incredible, miraculous way. Do, do you remember when deliverance came by the power of God? When he caused the, oh, the, the, the uh, uh, rivers to be split? Like when Joshua invaded the promised land. When the seas um, pushed back. Like when they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, on and on. This is, he's calling forth all of these stories to put it in this new song. And the question for you and for me, I think, is this. Do you remember your story? Do you remember the story of God's deliverance in your life?
Um, I, I, before we move ahead here, the gospel's here, if you'll see it. The salvation came through this instrument of death. Look at verse 13. You went out for your salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. So God, again, he's rich in mercy, okay? His heart is inclined towards that. And then here we go, middle of verse 13. You crushed the head of the house of the week. Crushing the head. Is that bringing forth any images here? In Genesis chapter 3, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story of the Bible, page 3 of the Bible, a serpent comes along, tempts Adam and Eve. Um, our forefathers, and, uh, and they, they uh, believe the serpent instead of God, and uh, they sin before God, and God speaks to the serpent, and here's what he says. Hey, listen, you're going to crawl on your belly. You'll be humiliated from here on out, and uh, there's coming a seed of the woman, and you will strike his heel, and what's the last part for those of you who've been around a while? And he will crush your head. Habakkuk's calling forth these stories. And then verse 14, don't miss this. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. So the instrument of death that was launched got boomeranged and actually brought salvation. The instrument of death brought salvation to God's people. When an arrow, it was a cross. This is where the gospel is. Salvation came through an instrument of death. Lastly, I just point these out. That, like we should tell these stories to one another. You should tell these stories at the Mother's Day lunch. Like you should tell the stories um, when you're in your family. And you should tell these stories here in our church family. And you should tell the stories in the places of where you get to do this. Why? Because they are true. Religions of our world today are religions of ideas or rituals. Not Christianity. Christianity has ideas and it has rituals. But it is not primarily about that. It is primarily a religion of action. Things that God has done. These are acts that God has made. We've got a whole book of the Bible called Acts. So the, the, the Christian life is a, is a life rejoicing in, delighting in, remembering the stories of how God has moved um, in how he has moved in the world. Uh, I, I read a story uh, this week. Uh, there was a Romanian pastor before the Iron Curtain fell. So back under communism, his name was Joseph Son. Uh, we actually heard him speak a long, long time ago. Uh, but, but I didn't know this part of his story. So he's pastoring uh, these small little house churches under communist rule in Romania. And, I mean, arrested multiple times, beaten, tortured, jailed, any number of other um, things. But he's pastoring these churches, and somebody gave him a book from a famous theologian uh, who had a you know, pretty big name, smart guy, lots of degrees. And the, and the book, uh, as he read the book, devoured it because he was trying to feed himself in order to continue to feed the flock and help them towards faithfulness. Um, the, the book said, hey, these are all basically nice stories, but they're, I mean, they're myths. They're myths. So Joseph takes the, so Joseph son takes the book to his mentors like, this guy's really smart. He has a lot of degrees. Surely what he's saying is true. But, I mean, myths? Myths? This is, these are myths? What do I do with this? Because he knew, he knew how the gospel to transform and sustain people in these house churches under communist rule. And you got a guy saying there's myths, which by the way, just because you can write a book and have a, this is before social media, but just because you have a name and some degrees and can write a book and have a platform and a following doesn't mean what you're saying is right. Yes? yes. A completely different sermon for a completely different day. But today, here's what Joseph Smith, uh, Joseph Son said. Here's what he said. I will risk it all. For the sake of the truth, I will risk nothing for the sake of myths. 
This, we tell these stories, church family, to our families, to, uh, to one another here, and to outside people outside, because they're true. So remember, remember these stories. Thirdly, uh, verse 16. So again, one more time. He's, Habakkuk has prayed. God has said, I'm bringing the Babylonians, and they're going to be judgment. Um, and Habakkuk says in verse 16, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of the trouble to come upon people who invade us. I think people, here's what hope does. Hope reckons with the circumstances. People make some mistakes here, uh, and I just don't do this. Uh, Some people deny, or excuse me, they resign themselves to it. This is what's going to happen. Okay, fine. This is where we're going down. Uh, Some people deny it. Well, I don't actually like thinking about this stuff, so I just pretend it won't hear because I don't like the way it makes me feel. Some people face it with this kind of weird bravado, I'm just going to will it away as if that will take care of the situation. Hope deals, it reckons with the circumstances that are there. Our world doesn't go always like we think it should go. And so we have to wreck hope doesn't deny that. It doesn't resign itself to it. And it doesn't just pretend, uh, just will it away. Hope reckons with the actual circumstance. And and look look how he expresses this. This is the very last phrase. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. So, God, I, I know that you're going to do this. I know that you're going to. But, but look what happened first. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sounds. Rottenness enters my belt. My legs tremble beneath me. There was physical manifestations of this kind of like panic. I mean, Habakkuk is having a moment here where he's in full-on panic and his body is shutting down as a result. If that's ever happened to you, you're in pretty good company. Here's Habakkuk. And then he says this. One more time. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. This is terrifying to me, God. I'm looking at it. I know that this is what's happening. I know that this is reality. I know, I'm, not, I'm not just saying, oh, psh, 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 brush it away. I know that this is going down. And I know that my body can't handle the reality of all of this. But, but, I'm also going to trust your promises more than I trust uh, my perception of what is going on around here. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon those who trouble us, who invade us. It reckons with the circumstances. It trusts that God is going to be at work there. Last thing. Hope refuses, I mean stubbornly so, to, receive, to, uh, to cede joy. It, it refuses to give up. On joy. If you know a passage in Habakkuk, if it's not chapter 2, verse 4, it's, it's chapter 3, verse 17, 18, and 19. You ready? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet 
like the deers, and he makes me tread on high places. He refuses to seed joy. Hope refuses to seed joy. Here's a lie that people can believe. Don't believe this, but they can. God's not powerful enough. He's not powerful to do anything. Uh, There's no blossom on the fig tree. There's no olive um, on on the vine there. There's no fruit. There's no, there's no food in the fields. God's, God can't do anything about this. Again, church family, listen to me. If this is you and you feel that hope just beginning to, to wane, to fade, to drip out slowly, and your reservoir is basically on E at this point, listen to me. Um, don't, don't, don't believe the lie that God can't do something about this. He is powerful. He spent the first part of chapter 3 reminding himself of the stories of God's power and his deliverance so that when it came down to it, when, when it really, um, where, where the rubber met the road in his own life, he wouldn't seed joy. Another lie people believe uh, is that God is not right. See, because if I follow God, uh, if I bring my kids to church, then they should always do what we ask them to, Yeah. I mean, mom's in here. If, you, if you're a mom in here, I mean, if you're a good mom, they always pick up their socks from the floor just the first time, right? Everybody? No, of course not how that goes. But yet we project that onto God to say this. We, 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 we kind of put that up on God to say, God, uh, like, you're not right in this. I mean, because I got faith here. I'm trying to hold on to hope here. And the fig tree is not blossoming. There's no fruit on the vine. There's no olive um, uh, there's no produce of the olive in the fields. You'll know food. There's no herd in the stall and on and on and on. I'm pretty sure you're not right on this. I, I point you to first Peter chapter four, verse 19. I think it's in the Bible app, but here's what he says. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Now, before we finish that verse, can we just press pause on that? That phrase right there. Let those who suffer according to the will of God, meaning there are times when the hardship that we're going through, when the struggle that we are enduring is the will of God, because we are following him, we are walking through hardship. If we weren't following, it'd be easier. It's because we're following that it's hard. Let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing good. They get up and they say, God, here I am. I'm entrusting myself to you and I'm going to continue to get up and do what I know is right to do. When people say God is not right because they believe it should always be easy, point them to situations and to scriptures like that. Last thing, that God is not present. How can you take joy in a God? How can you hope in a God who's not with you? How can you hope in a God who's not with you? But he is. He is. He makes the feet like the deers. He makes tread on high places. He's the strength. He's um, the God of your salvation and on and on and on. So um, I think, I mean, this is, well, the last phrase, to the choir master with stringed instruments. Um, I, I think that actually points to something for us. I think the one thing that you could give your moms, I think the one thing you could give your kids is a gift. People who follow Jesus, I think this is one thing that you could give 
the people around you who follow Jesus, to encourage them and to give them hope, to, to be church and to do these, like, you should sing your hope. You should sing it to sustain your joy. I mean, this is what Habakkuk did. He sings his hope. God, in your wrath, remember mercy. I don't know the tune. Whatever um, Shigianath is, that was the tune, I'm sure. But I um, don't know how that went. If you've got any uh, Hebrew chanting in you, maybe you know. But I'm just telling you, he's singing this song in order, he's singing this song of hope in order to sustain his joy. And that, that, that's the idea, is that we, we're not going to, we're not going to um, just surrender joy to the circumstances. This, this resonant delight in who God is, we are not going to surrender that. We're going to continue to hope in God and let that feed our joy. And one of the tools that God's given us is that we can sing it. Now, for some of you, you hear this and you're like, bro, I ain't singing nothing. You don't, I'm glad they turned the music up because I don't want anybody else to hear me sing. Only time I sing. Here, I, I don't want you to think about being in here and singing. Although being in here and singing, that's important. I want you to think about at the stoplight when nobody else is around and your song comes on, if it comes on the radio or Apple Music or Spotify, however you jam these days. And what do you do? You turn, I mean, you reach down and you're like, and you're waiting on a green light because you're there like red, 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 that kind of singing, that kind of singing that says, I'm delighting in this moment. I'm delighting in this. I have, I'm going to sing my hope in order to sustain my joy and spiritually Church family, we can do this. I'll, I'll tell you, it's one, of the, it's one of the questions that I ask. When we sit down, we visit. Um, um, I've asked this question, I don't know how many times. But one of the questions I ask, I just, people who are walking through stuff, I go, hey, what song are you singing right now? What? No, no, really, what song are you singing right now? I mean, you got stuff rolling around in you. What song are you singing? Well, I don't know. Well, find a song. Just start singing. See if that helps. Um, what, what I say, what, what I mean by that is there, there is something about us expressing, expressing our hope um, in, through singing that, that sustains our joy. Again, you're thinking, I'm not going to sing. Yes, you can. I, I will tell you, having um, thought about um, th- this sermon for a while and some of the things that are in our world right now, my world right now, um, I-, I tell you, man, one of the songs, we're going to sing it here in just a minute. Frank surprised me with it. Um, I-, I didn't know what was happening until this morning. One of the songs right now that I'm singing that's sustaining, that, that, that I'm, it gives me hope that sustains my joy, says this. I am your, be- oh, here it is right here. Thank you, Mike. I am your beloved You have bought me with your blood. And on your hand, you have written out my name. Anybody remember when you were in fourth grade and you'd write people's names on it or write your own name on your hand, right? Yeah, this is what God has done. Right out of Isaiah chapter 49, he has inscribed my hand on his, uh, my name on his hand. And what do we know? What do we know about where our name is written and what has happened there? My name is written on his hand right next to the nail print, right next to the scar that purchased my salvation and brought me life. On his name, on, on his hand is written out my name. Way easier to sing than it is to say. <laughs> and then the, the bridge, man. Oh, the bridge. 
the, the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. <sighs> Come on now. I, that's the song I'm singing these days. It gives me hope that sustains my joy. We, we've, we've talked about, I'm closing the sermon with four songs. We talked about Habakkuk's song. Talked about my song. Here, here's another song. This is a fairly famous song. I bet you know this one. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's good, isn't it? We love those verses. I mean, still waters, green pastures. This all sounds pretty good to me, yeah? Hey, I've got a shepherd, somebody who's taking care of me, somebody who's watching over me, somebody making sure I'm going to get to where I'm supposed to be, yeah? This is in the same song, by the way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Same song. That's a weird verse too, but here it is, man. We've shifted gears pretty significantly. We've gone from green pastures and still waters to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the valley's not scary? No, of course it is. Because death isn't real? Of course it is. I don't fear. Why? What does it say? Because you are with me, the valley could cave in on me and God would be with me in that moment right there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He brought his weapons of warfare, folks. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table is set and it's amazing, but you're surrounded by people who don't like it. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup over. Well, that is reason to hope today. And here's how he finishes with joy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good song right there. That's a good song. You've got the highest highs, green pastures and the lowest. Here's the thing though. The reason we sing like this The reason we give expression to things like this is because it's a reminder that we do walk through the valley. I was eating tacos with somebody this week. We were talking about life and, you know, kind of the challenges that were present. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't get stuck there. We don't build a camp. Like, we go through it because God's with us. He's with us. That's the third song. Habakkuk's song. My song. David's song. Here's your song. If you're a picture taker, grab a phone, take a picture. If you're a note writer, you can fill it in. If you're on the Bible app, you can actually add notes to your little, this little slide right here. Journaler, you can flip to the back of your Bible, one of those blank pages. Here's your song. I, just, I want to invite you to write your own lyrics. Th- though there is no what? what? What terrifies you the most that there won't be that? Though there is no, though what may fail, you're putting your trust in it and it gives way. Though what may be removed from me? What is that? A relationship, a status, a job. I don't know what it is. Though what? You can't see your life without it. Yet, I will rejoice because God, the I am, is my what? 
hope feeds joy. So I want to invite you to take a second. Write your own lyrics. I, I mean it. Write them. I'm going to be quiet. band's going to kind of get their stuff said, and then I'll pray, and we, as a church family, will respond in song. But this is your song. This is your song that will feed joy. Take a second, and then I'll leave us in a prayer in a moment. Let's pray. Father, thanks for um, yeah, thank you for these moments. Thank you that you give us opportunity to sing. Thank you that you give us opportunity to say stuff that matters. God, what I pray for every single person here and all those watching online today. What I pray is that you would help them fill in whatever blank that doesn't deny the reality and the circumstances in which they're living, but is an expression of their hope in you. And that hope would feed joy. So no matter what it is, no matter where it's, what's going on, no, no matter how things look right now, What storm clouds are on the horizon? What seems to be changing too fast or not fast enough? Give them hope. Sustain their hope. And may it feed their joy. This is what I ask now. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen.